3: Happy Friday, TGIF. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true Democracy in talk radio of for and by you, the people. David Mark, a good friend of mine and this program, is uh, my guest in this hour. Glad to have him with us. David is an executive editor at Morning Consult. Now, they're a nonpartisan media and technology company. They provide data-driven research and insights on politics, policy and business strategy. He is also a seasoned political journalist and also author. Uh, during the historic election of last year, he served as a contract editing at a contract editing position at CNN DA Digital Politics and uh, for 6 years, if you remember, David was a senior editor at Politico. He's authored two books on political language and negative campaigning. Most recently, Dog, and I've read this book. It's awesome. Dog whistles, walkbacks, and Washington handshakes, decoding the jargon, slang, and bluster of American political speech. And I think of David and his book every time I hear the term dog whistle. Uh, David, Mark, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Welcome. Welcome back. Happy summer.
2: Yeah, great to be back with you,
3: Leslie. And good to have you uh, with us. Um, we have to talk about uh, a few things today. I think we have five in total. But first, we have to talk about Steve Bannon is out. Some say he's fired. Some say he's resigned. What are you hearing?
2: It looks like it's some combination of both. Technically, Bannon had submitted his resignation a few days ago, and it was accepted. But clearly, Trump took the advice of advisors, specifically Chief of Staff John Kelly, to move Bannon out of the White House. And we'll see what he does next. It doesn't seem like somebody like Steve Bannon is going to leave and go away quietly.
3: Uh, I, you know, I agree. And uh, speaking of that, is this an indication in your professional opinion that Secretary Kelly is being given more power to clean house, if you will, or is you know, or do you think this just comes down to Kelly wanted him gone, but so did. I, I heard Ivanka and Jared and other people that Bannon didn't play nice with others inside, regardless of the fact that Trump likes him as a friend?
2: Yeah, clearly, Kelly has been given a lot more power to move around staff and have a lot more say so. The problem is, of course, the president. There can be as many staff moves as the day is long, but if the president is going to tweet and obfuscate and somewhat take sympathy with white supremacists, there's a limited amount the chief of staff can do in those situations. So I think the big move here, the question is how much this really changes Trump's thinking on issues. Bannon, of course, was an extreme, is an extreme nationalist wanting to rip up Trade agreements and international alliances and the such, and we'll see how that goes on without him in the White House.
3: Um, also, um, I I wanted to uh, you know ask with regard to the Steve Bannon, I think, and Kellyanne Conway were instrumental in getting Donald Trump elected, and I think one of the things they did was her her messaging on air, um, but Bannon um, using social media, using Breitbart News, but also. Taking the cuffs, if you will, uh, and the filter away from Donald Trump and allowing him to be unhinged. We saw that as a candidate. But that doesn't play well as a president, internationally or as we're seeing on a national level. So with Bannon gone, will Donald Trump be less unhinged? Or does this, uh, you know, as you and many others have said, not really change anything because it's not the message, it's the messenger. Uh, that is Donald Trump himself that does the most damage for him in his administration.
2: Yeah, that was really on vivid display just over the past few days in Trump's reaction to the Charlottesville tragedy where he was getting panned up and down. Even at least some Republican lawmakers were taking issue with him, and that's pretty unusual. But apparently it was Bannon egging him on and saying he really did a good job in his response calling out Black Lives Matter and AFTA, what the group that – anti-Antifa, the, the group that clashed with those white supremacists in Charlottesville. Anyway, Bannon was really an outlier there, and you could say it played into Trump's worst instincts. So that may be the most immediate change if he doesn't have somebody whispering in, in his ear, the president that is, but ultimately, he brought on Steve Bannon because he agrees with his ideas. So I'm still skeptical that personnel move all that much. Um, I, uh,
3: I, I want to know. I've seen tweets that show that Ban- – well, first of all, David, do you think Bannon was involved in Breitbart while in the White House because I do? Possibly. He
2: got a waiver, apparently, to be in touch with his old comrades at Breitbart. And even if he wasn't directly in line with in in touch with them, they know what his thinking is. They they know his views. So in a sense, it doesn't really matter specifically whether he was or not.
3: I um, also, with regard to Breitbart, he's clearly going to go back there. When I got off TV or before I went on TV and when I first, before I went on TV this morning on Fox News channel, um, there were a lot of tweets indicating that when Bannon went to Breitbart, it was going to be business as usual, which is really pro-Trump supporting and speaking to that base Trump space largely of those who uh, read and often agree uh, with not just Steve Bannon, uh, but the writings uh, and, and blog posts of, of Breitbart. However, when I got off TV, David, it was a different message. It was like, you know, war, Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's on. Um, Which do you believe?
2: Yeah, it changed pretty quickly. And it seems like Bannon is a vindictive person, that he's not just going to go quietly into the night. There are rumblings already that he's going to try and exact revenge. It's unclear whether that's against Trump himself or his key advisors like Jared and Ivanka, or Gary Cohn, the head of the National Economic Council, or H.R. McMaster, the National Security Advisor, or some others. So, what form it might take remains unclear. It's worth noting now that having been in the White House and seeing these people up close, he knows some of their habits. He might have some inside information that he could share with the world. Whether he does that or not remains an open question.
3: And how much damage could a Bannon do? And I say that. I was talking this with uh, Mark Romaldi, my executive producer, who's off today, um, off the air earlier. Um, and I know you know, Mark. And we were talking about that Bannon, if there's dirt on Trump, even a Russia connection, Bannon would have that information. Or do you think Bannon got a nice severance check that didn't come out of U.S. tax dollars And uh, (laughs) part of that was a little written agreement to keep his mouth shut.
2: Who knows? Bannon is pretty wealthy already, according to his financial disclosure form. So it never seemed like he was in the political game for the money. Depends on what he wants to share. Usually presidents hire advisors and aides who are going to be discreet and not spill to the world what's going on. But that's not how Trump operates. He seems to revel in that, and he's got to wonder – not just what dirt he might have, Bannon might have on the president or his advisors, but whether he's willing to turn that Breitbart base against the president and stir them up, maybe go for a party a primary challenger in 2020 or even before that just kind of rail against the president because he's mad about what happened. And again, open questions, but Bannon Bannon potentially has the uh, the opportunity to inflict a lot of harm. At the same time, he'll just be a private citizen outside the White House, and yeah, he might have a limited voice. Most people aren't really big fans of him outside of that Breitbart base.
3: Um, also, uh, how, how how much influence do you really think Bannon had on Trump? And I, I don't want to be redundant because I did ask how much this would change. Um, uh, I, I, I guess – is, is is Bannon going to become, you know, uh, Trump's enemy? I heard today that he met with Mr. Mercer, who's very, very wealthy, and he and his daughter are very much a part of the conservative movement, and they very much did not want Hillary Clinton to get elected. And some people say you get what you pay for, and they definitely paid for that. Um, I think it's interesting that he had um, this meeting. Uh, you know, I'm wondering. Do you think Bannon and Mercer? I know you don't have a crystal ball you know, we're potentially meeting um, to uh, discuss having somebody who could dethrone Trump coming up? Possible.
2: Lots of things possible. Clearly, the Mercers are willing to spend their largesse, and Mr. Mercer and his daughter, they've engaged in some rather conspiratorial behavior about President Obama and other such issues. These are people who have pretty far-out views. And they're willing to spend a lot of money. So depends what direction Trump, excuse me, Bannon wants to go against Trump. If you really just Trump and, and hurt him as much as possible and spread dirt, he could do that. Whether it's funding other candidates, that remains to be seen as well. But at the same time, we probably shouldn't overestimate how much Breitbart, the influence Breitbart has. It's read by a pretty small segment of the nationalist right, and it's not exactly a mainstream news organization. So it hurts in Trump world, but at the same time, this may not – Bannon may not be as influential as some people are making him out to be, on the outside, that is.
3: Um, We're going to be uh, taking a break, but before we move on to um, a a different uh, issue, what do you think this firing says about Trump? This is somebody who seems to give jobs to those who were loyal to him, but then seems to let those people who were loyal go.
2: Well, it's interesting that the way the statement came down from the White House, it noted that Chief of Staff John Kelly pushed out Bannon. It wasn't attributed to the president. Of course, he, the president is known for saying, you're fired in his TV show, The Apprentice. Apparently, he doesn't really like doing that in real life. So that's noteworthy. Also, Trump, I think, did not like the fact that Bannon was getting so much attention. Of course, there was that big book about a devil's bargain by Josh Green, and Trump does not like to be upstaged. So that probably didn't really help Bannon's chances. And then Bannon, maybe knowing what was coming, went went into all these on-the-record interviews over the last few days, including with the liberal – American prospect, which is not a place you would normally imagine him turning to. So it might actually be the, polit- the political version of suicide by cop, like he knew he was going down and he wanted to do something that was going to get him fired.
3: We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with my buddy, and I hope yours as well, not only as a guest, somebody who's been and is a great writer and author. David Mark, executive morning, excuse me, executive editor at Morning Consult. He is an executive editor all day, not just in the morning. <laughs> They're a nonpartisan media and technology company. They provide data-driven research and insights on politics, policy, and business strategy. Follow David on Twitter at DavidMarkDC. The website, davidmark.org, and also morningconsult.com. Back with David, back with you after this. Your questions or comments, 888-6 Leslie, 888 7543 What do you think of Steve Bannon being let go? Or did you think, ah, oh, we kind of saw the tea leaves and, and had the crystal ball before it came? And what do you think will happen now? He's going to go to Breitbart and support Trump, or is it going to be war? As someone who works at Brightbyte, uh, inferred. Uh, I'm Leslie Marshall. Back with David Mark. Back with you. Pick up the phone and join us. eight 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 six Leslie on this Friday after this. back i'm leslie marshall he is david mark executive editor at morning consult and we were talking about steve bannon being out some people say that he was fired others say he resigns let's take some calls because we have quite a few 8886 leslie 888-653-7543 is the number let's start it out with mitch in oregon line for listening on 1340 am kbbr hey mitch good afternoon
2: a good afternoon. I love the show. First-time caller, uh, my sons and I, we listen to progressive radio constantly, and we do not have TV in the house. We don't allow propaganda um, in our life. Um, but I just wanted to ask a question um, pertaining to uh, things I've also heard on some of the other programs, uh, callers and other people, and just really haven't heard a conversation on, you know, with the 25th Amendment, with uh, the... Um, the uh, inability to hold the office of uh, president as it should be, you know, um, not stable, not um, – uh, there's other terms that have been used and put out there now by uh, people coming out and calling
3: them out. Uh, interesting. Interesting. David?
2: Yeah, that's something that's been brought up by some critics of Trump, but actually also from a conservative columnist for the New York Times, Ross Dothat who has suggested that the powers that be invoke the 25th Amendment, which would remove President Trump from the presidency, at least temporarily. At this point, it's a fantasy. There's just no reason to think that's going to happen. That would have to include the Speaker of the House, Senate leaders, of course, Vice President Mike Pence and some others. Although it has to be noted that at least a few more Republicans are getting more critical of Trump, including Senator Bob Corker of Tennessee and some others. So I don't think we're at 25th Amendment territory yet, but something to keep an eye out for.
3: Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, and appreciate uh, your uh, your call. Let's continue with the calls. Eight 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 six. Leslie's the number. Chris in Charlottesville, Virginia. Line two, listening on radio WPVC ninety four point seven. Hi, Chris. Good afternoon.
4: Hi Leslie, first time caller. I just wanted to
2: ask you guys if you thought that uh, Gorka and Miller will be following Bannon
4: out the door. I'd love to see them go as well.
3: I haven't heard about uh, Gorka. I have heard perhaps uh, Miller. David, what have you heard? Yeah,
2: I don't have. I won't claim to have any inside information on that. But it again, it does seem like the new chief of staff, John Kelly, has been given carte blanche to make these staff changes. So, if you feel that those two individuals and others are not a good fit, we can now see a path for them going. It it seems like with Miller, he's pretty much tied to the Bannon worldview, anti-immigration, hard-right nationalist, and so he might be seen to not be serving the president. He hasn't been as public as Bannon; he's been a little more careful about things. But we'll see. Wouldn't be surprising.
3: Um, okay, anything else from our caller? That's it. Thanks. <laughs> All right, thank you. Appreciate it. 8886 leslie Eight 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 Let's go to Reggie Line 3 in Decatur, Georgia, listening on our stream on Spreaker, a division of iHeartRadio. Hi, Reggie. Good afternoon.
4: Happy Friday
0: to both you and your guest, David Leslie. I would just like to ask you this. Um, how many more of these demonstrations, marches, or even protests are going to end or wind up in violence before we finally stand and say enough is finally enough? And do you think that the NRA, along with conservative talk radio, stood up and denounced the, the violence that happened in Charlottesville Virginia, this past weekend? Yes or no? Why or why not?
3: Um. Okay, David?
2: Well, boy, I hope there's no more violence like that from Charlottesville. I I don't know that it's fair to blame the NRA directly in this one. And I'll say something that might be a little unpopular here. When Trump talked about both sides, of course he should have utterly condemned the white supremacists, et cetera. But there are these – Some of these groups, Antifa, et cetera, maybe don't engage in the best tactics. Okay, hold that right there, David. We'll let you
3: continue. We'll let you continue. We'll be back with David, Reggie, other people holding. You want to hold? eight 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 six. leslie I'm Leslie Marshall. David Morris, our guest. Don't go away. So, and our guest, executive editor at Morning Consult, David Mark. David, thank you for doing. Welcome back. Sorry to interrupt. Did you want to finish up uh, your comments and remarks in response to Reggie from Decatur, Georgia's call before the break?
2: Well, I was just saying that we all hope that there's no more violent outbreaks at the like happened in Charlottesville, and of course, these white supremacists are completely responsible for it. As Trump should have said, I do think it's worth looking at tactics opposing them particularly with antifa which seems to rile them up and really kind of push back in violent terms of course they're on the right side and opposing them but i do also kind of wonder sometimes it might be better just to ignore these idiots particularly if they're planning
3: you know what you know it's so interesting you say that david i think it was i got to look up the year so was 1978 or something you remember this it was a landmark case in Spoke- i was a little
2: Hit there but i think you mean the skokie march
3: yes yes skokie illinois march and what happened is these neo-nazis for people that aren't familiar with it some of it may have learned it in history and some may not remember when they learned it in history um but neo-nazis wanted to march in skokie illinois and one of the reasons they wanted to march there is they had the second largest holocaust survivor population i believe in the country at that Ugh, time new york yeah. being the first and yeah. people were appalled and there was a suit and um the aclu defended the neo-nazis and a Jewish lawyer from the ASCLU represented them and won their right to freedom uh, of protest, um, to uh, you know, um, peacefully uh, protest via the First Amendment. What happened was they marched down the street, and instead of people coming out to disagree with them, what you said, David, people ignored them. Mm-hmm. The Holocaust survivors stayed in their home and other people stayed in their home because they felt what they want is people to come out and watch them. Why do people walk down a street or protest or have a parade? They want people to come out and watch, right? Watch me walk down the street. Watch my, read my sign, read my t-shirt, look at my torch, hear my chant, right? So right. people people ignored them. People did not come outside and watch. People ignored them. And many in solidarity who were not Jewish or were not uh, Holocaust uh, survivors or uh, related to, or even no Holocaust survivors, just in solidarity as a community. And I and I just thought that was awesome, not just the landmark ruling and all that went with it, but much to what you said. I agree with you on that. And and, and yeah. uh, you know, it, I, do, I do agree with you, and I think some of my fellow leftist uh, Democrats, I'm not an Antifa, you know, by any yeah. means necessary person, but um, look, I think it's okay to stand across the street and sing, you know, against, but you right. know if, if if you ignore these people and the next day you take down the statue their their protest becomes kind of moot and then when we don't have both sides you know becoming enraged perhaps we can uh you know uh, you know squash this violence uh, of which there's right. far too right.
2: much it, it just would be uh, some lo- folks who are losers in life a few dozen maybe a couple hundred marching around on a saturday afternoon if that's the best thing they have to do with their time. At the same at the same time, though, it should be noted, I think officials, city and state officials in Virginia and elsewhere have to take a close look at the permitting process here. Like It probably should not have been allowed right by that statue of Robert E. Lee. I think the city of Charlottesville and the state of Virginia wanted to have it in some park on the edge of town. Maybe that would have diffused tensions a bit more. And I think the ACLU sued to have it right where it was under the statue. So there's probably a lot of examination to go around, including police tactics here and how that was all handled. And I'm not describing blame, but hopefully there will be some after-action reports and something well good will come from this terrible mess. And if I can say, I think something positive actually has happened here in response already in that, ironically, we've seen an expedited pulling down of a lot of these awful Confederate monuments from decades past, probably the exact opposite of – what these marchers want, and certainly what Donald Trump wants.
3: Um, okay, let's take some more calls. We have some more here at eight 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 six Leslie eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Let's go to Washington on line four with Paul, listening on our stream from Spreaker Division of iHeartRadio as well. Paul, good afternoon, and welcome.
1: Thank you, Leslie. Uh, here, here's a concern that I have, and this hasn't been mentioned by anybody yet. These this group that showed up in Charlottesville, these, these people they show up armed. I'm not sure the Constitution guarantees the right to armed mass assembly. Now, we have two decisions on, on the Second Amendment. In Heller versus D.C., Antonin Scalia wrote that the federal government cannot prohibit firearms in federal territories, such as Washington, D.C., and in McDonald versus Chicago, Samuel Alito Wrote that you have a right to a firearm for personal protection. This does not include mass armed assembly, because at that point, even if you're in, the states can say whether or not you're there an open carry or concealed carry state. That's for an individual. Yes, you can carry your gun on your hip, but when you start showing up all together, you become a threat to the community, and you start to ask: Is it how many should be able to show up armed? A uh, hundred? 500, 1,000, 10,000, then you're a militia. You're an ad hoc militia, at which point, really, it seems that the state ought to recognize you somehow because the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia. That means regulated by the state. And at that point, if you're a militia, you really you need to have a a commander who's responsible for what happens, everything that happens. David? So you you can't show up armed. It, you can't apply for a permit for peaceful protest and show up armed and with arm by arms. I also mean not only firearms, but clubs and torches too. Torches are potential those for setting fire, setting arson. I, I think this is worth a challenge because I would I would note that in Shank versus the United States in 1919, when Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. wrote, "You can't uh, yell uh, fire in a crowded movie theater." This was when Charles Shank was distributing anti-conscription pamphlets during the first world war which which the court said well this is this is an exit services we're in, we're at war you can't distribute anti-conscription pamphlets so you can't show up in a demonstration then and create an accident circumstance that would be my argument i think it's worth testing in the court
3: interesting uh, david uh, any comments on that well
1: i'm not a lawyer so i won't weigh into the
2: legal arguments there but Interestingly enough, the head of the ACLU, Anthony Romero, actually said in an interview or maybe it was a speech this week that they're going to change the legal tactics here. They're still going to defend the right of these white white nationalists, et cetera, white supremacists, neo Nazis to march, but not armed, certainly not with guns, not with clubs, or those tiki torches either. So I think that is one important distinction. So we might actually see. Some action on that on the legal front.
3: A few weeks ago, guys, interestingly enough, that you bring this up, Paul, um, I, I we went on vacation. Uh, we went back to visit my family in Massachusetts, in Boston, and decided to go to some places I did as a kid to share with my children. A few days in Cape Cod, and a few days in Lexington, Concord, which most people know is where the beginning, uh, you know, of uh, the revolution that led to the United States being free and becoming its own country began on the green at Lexington, and on that bridge in Concord with Americans against uh, the British, who were then also uh, British, not Americans, uh, on that green, on that battlefield. Now, as a kid, I went there year after year, um, and somewhat as a kid, unfortunately, bored out of my mind until I saw the Mm. reenactment on that day uh, in April that they have every year, uh, which is spectacular, by the way, if anybody wants to visit and do that. But there is a statue, and, and we saw so many things, but there was a statue dedicated to The men, women, children, and slaves who fought in the militia, the slaves were offered their freedom. And honestly, uh, kudos to those people who gave their word and kept it for those who fought along their uh, side for freedom, gave them their freedom because of what they were fighting for. And they talk about the um, regulated militia of this group who then became the Minutemen, but they're not really all men. There were women and there were kids even. And it wasn't just guns, by the way, folks. It was frying pans, kitchen utensils, anything they could find because they were fighting for their freedom. But remember, they were fighting for their freedom, not just against uh, a government they thought was a, a oppressive and tyrannical. Um, they were fighting to, for their freedom to become their own country, separately because they were in a separate geographic location, which here in the United States as opposed to across the pond in, in the UK. And the reason I said that, when I stood there on that green as an adult and I read the history again of this battle and of these people, the Second Amendment had new meaning for me. One, uh, the right to bear arms isn't just about guns. And two, it was clearly to fight in a war for your freedom against somebody who was attacking that a government and your government you wanted to break off from. And the reason I say that is I'm sorry, but bubble living in his trailer somewhere in the United States with his arsenal of weapons, that that's not that's not what the reference to this and the writing of this originally was about. And I you don't have to go to law school for that. You gotta go back to history class for that. Guys if you have anything to say on that and then we can move on.
2: I think you expressed it very well, Leslie. That's an important part of history. And remember that a lot of gun control actually came across from the South, where they were trying to prevent slaves from rebelling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. against their masters, which, of course, they should have. That's human nature to do. So it's just – it's a very freighted political issue. Like it or not, Virginia is a right to carry state, has pretty loose gun control laws, so I'm not sure legally – how much it can be restricted, I'll leave that to lawyers, but it's something to keep in mind.
3: Okay, like uh, let's go to another call, and we go uh, to uh, lastly, unless somebody else calls in at eight 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 six leslie in this hour before uh, we finish up with Dave and go to Talk Media News. Dean in Buffalo, Line 5, also listening on our stream uh, from Spreaker. Hey, Dean, good afternoon. Question or comment?
4: Um, yes, yeah, so I first want to start off by saying get another great show. It's redundant, I know.
3: Uh, it's, it's okay. I'll take the compliment. That's very nice of you,
4: Dean. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on a and um, another great week of shows and appearances. If I'm nothing, I'm I'm nice and gratuitous. <laughs> anyway, uh, the reason I wanted to call was Steve Bannon getting okay. Let's face it. Knowing Donald Trump the way we think we know him, he needed a scapegoat because of. Charlottesville exclamation didn't go that well. He pointed to Steve Bannon and he said, listen, I can't have you in my cabinet because people associate you with the alt-right and the alt-right are not um, viewed upon favorably. So you got to go. So I think he's just scapegoating um, Bannon to save face.
3: All right. Uh, David, thank you, uh, Dean, and have a nice weekend. David?
2: Yeah, I don't know it's scapegoating so much as it's jealousy in that I really think that Trump did, did not like Steve Bannon getting all that attention and
4: being seen as
2: kind of the intellectual inspiration for Trump's success and his successful campaign manager, et cetera. So I think there with egos like that, there's just limited room, and I suspect that Bannon knew he was on his way out. That's probably why. Was giving a lot of those interviews because he knew he was on the firing line, so he might as well get his last licks in. Again, at least if he writes a book or what what direction he decides to go with all of this, he'll be uh, he's out the door today, so he'll be a free agent uh, going back to Breitbart or whatever he's doing.
3: <laughs> most definitely. Uh, let's move on to some uh, other issues that we wanted to challenge uh, today, David or not challenge, but you know tackle I guess and chat about quickly. Um, there are some Democrats that are backing presidential censure uh, again, uh, some on the hill, the Democrats that are attempting to use censure. Uh, uh, that's a technique, a political pressure that falls short of impeachment and, and they're doing it to confront what they call gross presidential malfeasance. Um, like the episode with former President uh, Bill Clinton, the Republicans aren't biting. The cat Uh, Though for starkly uh, different reasons Now there are a trio of House Democrats this week That introduced a resolution that would censure President Trump over his inadequate response to The Charlottesville tragedy on uh, August 12th and his statement since The white supremacist riot at the center of the Bucolic Virginia College town uh, Trump attempted to draw a parallel between Neo-Nazi rioters, the KKK and anti-Semites On the one hand and of course the counter-protesters On uh, the other and the proposal Comes from uh, Congressman uh, Gerald uh, Nadler from New York Bonnie Watson Coleman from New Jersey and and uh, Pramila uh, Jayapal from Washington uh, chiding Trump over several issues. Uh, symbolic waste of time uh, expected. What do you think, David?
2: Actually, there's a bit of news on this just on Friday afternoon. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi chimed in, said she would support censure. In a sense, critics are right. This wouldn't have any real meaning. The, the Constitution doesn't really give Congress power to censure. Other executives, all it can really do with the president is impeach and hold a trial and remove them if found guilty in the Senate, or nothing. So it would be—it seems like Republicans might in Congress might want to jump on board with this because it would be a, a good uh, measure, considerably short of impeachment, might be kind of a pressure valve. But so far, there's no reason to think Republicans are even going to consider this. So it, it'll probably be more of a PR thing in, until we see for something further
3: um okay And uh, let's uh, talk about the uh, mother of the Charlottesville victim that was killed in Virginia. She said she's not interested in hearing from the president because she believes he equated her daughter to white supremacists. Quote, I'm not talking to the president now, Susan Brose said today on Good Morning America, this morning on ABC. I'm sorry after what he said about my child, and it's not that I saw somebody else's tweets about him. I saw an actual clip of him at a press conference equating the protesters um, like uh, Heather Heyer with the KKK and the white uh, supremacists. Uh, One of the things Mm -hmm. Trump had said about this mother is she likes me? Apparently not.
2: Yeah, that's one way to feel it. I thought that the mother really displayed a lot of grace under during the most horrible kind of circumstances. What she said at the funeral, basically saying this was meant to silence her. Now you're getting, now she's more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Essentially, so very eloquent speech and totally understand her, just wanted to be left alone and not deal with somebody like Trump.
3: Um, and then uh, last but not least, uh, a, a few of Trump's political friends have been driven away. People are saying he's isolated now. Um, uh, the friends that he had in the Capitol, uh, some of them are turning away. He's not supporters of the president. Bob Corker, one of the most respected Senate Republicans, uh, does uh, seem to be uh, against him. Uh, and there are others, even uh, the son of Rupert Murdoch, my boss at Fox News Channel, James Murdoch, another one of my bosses, uh, the 21st century Fox CEO, um, gave a million dollars to the ADL and, and wrote a withering email denouncing the president's reaction to uh, that white supremacist rally and the violence uh, that it sparked. And there are others. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, that's pretty dramatic. You will see if how many people actually split with Trump, how many friends he even has in the first place. Yeah, I think it's notable, too, just you have Senator Corker there splitting with Trump and just a couple other things like Mitch McConnell holding the Senate in session so that Trump can't make recess appointments and the Russia sanctions bill. Step by step, Republicans in Congress are actually pushing back somewhat, even if not nearly as aggressively and vocally as many would have liked months months ago, years ago even.
3: Uh, most definitely. And, uh, uh, David, uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate you being with us. appreciate you a lot. And by the way, that article about censure was written by our own David Mark that we just heard here. Uh, David Mark, an executive editor at Morning Consult. Follow him on Twitter at DavidMarkDC. The website is DavidMark.org, and MorningConsult.com is uh, the website for his uh, executive editor position. We'll be back with we'll Talk Media News right after this. Talk media news. Hey, Bob. Thank you for joining us. Uh, what's the latest on the Bannon firing?
0: Well, here goes another one. And uh, I mean, I'm not even going to argue what Trump said in the press conference the other day because he, you know, he says one thing and another thing happens, Leslie. But the bottom line is that Bannon's saying he's gone. Uh, he resigned. They said this was effective August 14th. It was announced today, August 18th. This goes back to August the 7th when they wanted him out. McMaster's Kushner. And Kelly, the chief of staff, all wanted him gone. The president hung on to him. I think the president finally, finally, probably last night, from what I'm told, said, "Okay, he can go." Uh, but the president actually protected him, and then a lot of people kind of abandoned um, Bannon after that. You know, whole interview that he did with quote uh, a left-leaning publication, as it's being you know <laughs> put out there. Bottom line is he got fired, and uh, this is just another one. You know, in a series of what's this is the fourth or fifth
3: one? Um, yeah, absolutely, uh, Bob. Quickly, what you're hearing because I'm hearing two things about uh, him going back to Breitbart: one, that he will be pro-Trump, or the other, he'll be at war with Trump.
0: I think he's going to be both. I think he's he's not going. To, when Lewandowski was fired, uh, to this day, Lewandowski has a you know a, a great loyalty. We all know that to Donald Trump, no matter what. I think Breitbart, I think at Breitbart. Bannon's going to be a little bit different because he's going to come to terms with some of the policies he actually stands for that Trump stood for during the election, for example, trade, and is not necessarily standing for now. And I don't think uh, you know, he'll go after Trump just to be angry, but I think he will go after Trump where Trump is not uh, holding to what he said he would do during the campaign. And no matter what anybody thinks of Bannon Leslie, you know, he is actually a populist and very dedicated personally to certain issues.
3: Yep, absolutely. Bob Nay, live from a nation's capital, Talk Media News. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you to Andrew Tomedy, who sat in for Mark Grimaldi. Great job, and have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday.